Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. We're glad to be back. In fact, literally, I have been on the road to Washington, D.C. because as our last guest left for Christmas, uh, we got a call from there and our son and daughter-in-law who were about to deliver their first child. You have all the fun, Linda. Linda got to go back there hang out with the new mom and the new baby, and I just hung around home and got lonely. Oh, man, you poor thing. I feel so sorry for you. But Seriously, you got to admit it. You would, I mean, you like me quite a lot, but when it comes to a choice between me and a brand-new baby, you're just out of here. Well, of course. I mean, that's only a once-in-a-lifetime deal, and this was not a normal delivery, we have to say. We spent oh, by the long... way, let me just say, the reason Linda got to go is because our daughter-in-law's mother is in Brazil and couldn't make it. So much to Linda's delight, she got to be, what do you call it, the attending mother? Yes, I guess you'd call that the caregiver or whatever, the caregiving mother. Anyway, um, this was their first baby, and the there were a lot of complications with this birth. And as Richard said, her mom and dad were far, far away on a mission in Brazil. And um, so... They could not be there, and I was so delighted to have a chance to do that. In fact, just as an aside before we tell the story, I've had two other chances to do this with in-law children, daughters-in-law, because um, one of their mothers lives in Switzerland and couldn't um, come. She's had some back injuries and couldn't do the long flight. And another mother-in-law got stuck in Guam when the volcano went off in Iceland. (laughs) And the dust made it impossible for them to take off. So honestly, I love this more than anything, except for you, dear. I really do love you more, but I just I can't be with you every day in every way. So anyway, but I haven't even seen the little beauty. And by the way, before anyone of you get worried, mother and baby are just fine. But there were some moments of concern. I guess there always are with new babies, but a lot more than usual on this little gal. This little. I get to say her name, Zara Jade Iyer. She is a sweetie. But at about mm, 28 weeks, this baby was breech. And they said, you know, don't worry too much. Tell them 34 weeks is normal. They flip around all the time. Well, at 34 weeks, that baby was still standing up in the womb. Stubborn little girl. And honestly, they did the... You know, the things they do now for breach, first to turn the baby around, are, I guess, not I don't funny, know but I don't know how to it's describe like, it. It's like they tried everything. They, I think they wanted to see every alternative medicine practitioner in Washington, D.C., everything from Julie standing on her head in a swimming pool. No, standing on her hands. Well, on her hands. In the bottom thing. of the swimming pool to see if that baby would flip. They went to an acupuncturist. They had candles burning at her feet for 20 minutes a day, or twice, two or three times a day. Something um, with soup cans or something. I don't know about that or one, but they did warm. have cold peas. Gold you know, peas. Frozen yeah. peas, frozen peas on the head of the baby to see if that would get uncomfortable for her and she would turn around. Um, then they got a team of doctors, two women who 
said they were the pros at turning babies in the womb. So they were flippers. They baby had flippers. a big audience flippers. for baby the baby flippers, and it was really interesting. I wish I could have been there because Julie and Eli said that those two women were sweating by the time they got through with an hour of trying to turn this baby. And Julie said that it was pretty amazing um, that they um, they had done it several, several times and thought they could really do it. But pretty amazing that they knew how one to get the head and the other to get the um, bottom and then try to flip that baby, but all to no avail. She was stuck. I tell you, here in the meantime, just to give you guys the flavor here, I'm... Uh, the problem I have is I think I know everything, and I don't, right, Linda? You'd agree with that. Uh, and yeah. I, and, I, and I think I can find out anything I don't know, so I'm calling my obstetrician friends, and I have a couple of really good ones, really good obstetricians who are my friends, and I'm talking to them, and they're like, oh, no, 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 you, you just you, you don't want to try to have a breech birth. You want to go to a cesarean. You want to schedule it, make it nice and calm and peaceful, what you don't want is a failed breach, attempted a breach birth, and then an emergency cesarean. And they told me all the risks and everything, and I'm trying to call Eli and Julie and fill them in and get them to talk to these doctors. And they're like, no, we got good doctors here. And, man, I could just see it going all the wrong directions. And I finally got them to consider that if the baby was overdue, they would then at least consider the safety of a cesarean. Well, the little gal went overdue, but not by much, just yeah, actually, a couple of days. Three days, and they were as worried or more worried than we were. Uh, they spent a lot of time on their knees, and so did we, just praying that they would know what to do with this delivery because not that a cesarean is the last, you know, the end all. I've had one. It's not the end of the world. But... For a first baby, it's just hard, and the recovery's hard. And I know a lot of you listening may probably have had a breech birth by cesarean section, but this team of... Um, Bless your heart if you did. That's what I would have yeah, done. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we would have done. But um, this team at George Washington University, uh, there was a doctor, a doula, and a midwife who had just done a breech birth last month successfully. And they had all the measurements. They, um, the doctor said those that pelvis is nice and roomy, and I, I really think we can do it. It's totally up to you, though, and we don't want to take any responsibility. So um, they really thought long and hard about it, but they decided they just felt good about it. So they went with it. And I'll tell you what, those little feet came first. Two little feet came out first. It was just, I mean, we don't mean to be so graphic, but... It's such a great thing now in our minds because everything worked out so well. And uh, I don't think we'll go any further than that with the graphic detail, but just suffice it to say the little gals here are safe and sound. Well, she I weighed seven and a half pounds. I think uh, we probably needed a little more detail for this mother who was absolutely heroic. She was awesome. Oh, my goodness. She had no anesthesia because she had to change her position several times while she was there, and she couldn't be hooked up to anything. And so she just did whatever they told her would work the best, and it was absolutely amazing. And the most amazing thing to me was she had an audience. There were about 15 people in that room. It kind well, of, it, it was, was such a, a rare bird. It was a big kind of room. A it was dark. The light was on her, and she couldn't see anybody back there. But 
to say, fine, just come and watch my first delivery. And there, you know, well, she's a nurse. Our little cute daughter was a nurse nurse herself, and we think the world of her. And some of you tuning in may say, oh my goodness, I tuned in for a parenting show, and all I'm getting is this graphic account of some grandchild's birth. But but there's a reason we're other other. I mean, lots of reasons we're talking about it. One is is about all we've thought about lately, but. Another reason is, isn't it wonderful? One of the miracles of families is how a brand new little helpless child comes into the world and brings a family together and galvanizes feelings and emotions within a family like no, like nothing else could. It's just remarkable, and especially in, in this case where we have a a large family, and here's Eli, the new father, for the first time, and he's got four brothers and four sisters, and they're all so happy for him and congratulating him. And why haven't you Skyped this yet and sent more photos and on and on and on? And then Julie's family too is large, and, and just what a what an awesome thing to see. And, and they live all around the world, our kids and their kids, and. Yet they're just right there, and thank goodness for technology, because within minutes we all had pictures of that little girl, and uh, well, Linda was heading for the airport, getting ready to go back. Well, not only that, but thank goodness for this technology, because the minute that water broke, we had a text from Eli saying the water is broken, we're on our way to the hospital, and uh, then progressively, I mean, the last hour we got nothing, and we knew why, there was too much stuff going on, but... You know, they were telling us about the progress of the labor and so on, and, and of course, we were so concerned. But I think what drew everybody closer than um, anything else was prayer. Wow. I mean, people were praying from Hawaii to New York City, Boston, uh, San Francisco, everywhere, um, trying to get that child here safely, and I think we were all really connected by that. And there was such a sense of relief and joy and, and even even when it's not quite that complicated a birth, can you imagine anything more beautiful than a child coming into the world and the feelings that that gives you? And and then uh, on our, at our stage in life, watching that new little mom, Linda watching literally, and me watching on frequent little videos that had come over the email, how instantly, I was going to say quickly, but it's really how instantly a mom and a baby bond with each other, and then seeing my son, my last son, become a father and hold that little girl up and send me his first text with him holding her up, and, and the little message was, I don't think I'm going to grow tired of this anytime soon. <laughs> and it's just, you just have such a, a wonderful feeling, and you want to get your hands on these little kids. I mean, Linda... I don't mean to embarrass you, Linda, but Linda would rather hold a newborn and put that little nestled, curled-up little baby up by her neck and feel that little breath on her skin. That's like the most amazing, <laughs> most damn thing. Am I describing it right? You're doing pretty well. That's how I feel. I feel. Love those newborns, and it's just such a stark, amazing experience because it changes your whole life forever. From day one, life is never again the same. And there's so many good things about that. I mean, obviously everything's good about it, except that you can't just run out to a movie and uh, go out to dinner or do whatever you want. 
anymore. You really are committed for a lifetime to this little child. And well, our kids call it baby jail. Well, we're in baby jail now. But it's kind of a nice <laughs> jail inspiring. to be in, right? Yeah, it really is. And, you know, there's just nothing quite like that experience of of having that child, having angels in that room. It is so close to heaven that it's just about as close as you can get when the, that child enters the the world. And so I, I am addicted to it. Well, Richard's always, you know, begging for more grandchildren, and he's really his goal is what? Oh, let's not talk about that. But I do want to say uh, thanks for that segue, Linda. But I do want to say that I, I think there is, and I don't. You know, we're not trying to pre- be preachy or denominational or anything here. But just we've got maybe one more minute before we're going to go to break, and I just want to say that, uh, you know, I personally, Linda and I, we believe that these little babies come from another place. We believe that they're entering mortality from another place where they live. And, you know, some people think it's only a certain religion, only LDS people or whatever that believe that. But let us go to break by telling you that it's much more than that. And when we come back, we'll tell you a poem by William Wordsworth that will lead into the last half of this show. Hello, listeners. We're back for the second half of today's show. And uh, we've talked about lots of different age kids and parenting teenagers, parenting elementary age kids, parenting when the nest is empty and so on. And today, I think it's a little refreshing, at least it is for me. We're focusing on babies, brand new babies. And Linda's just been with a brand new one, and I'm going to go see that little new girl soon. But I, you know, there's something I was saying as we went to break, something very spiritual about a birth, and we believe it is because these children come from another place. And some people think that LDS, the LDS Church, is the only church that teaches that, but not so. In fact, many great poets have written implying, and sometimes more than implying, the profound possibility in their minds that there's a life before this life, and Many of you know the Wordsworth poem that you hear quoted a lot where he says, Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home you couldn't express it more beautifully now, wait a minute. And there's another part. The best sentence of all is usually left out on that gorgeous poem, one of my favorites. And the very next line is, heaven lies about us in our infancy. And that is so true. I love watching those new babies because they're. I really feel like they're conversing with their friends in heaven, wherever they are. When, when they do that rapid eye movement and they laugh and they smile, what else are they thinking about? They're dreaming, and their only basis for a dream is something that happened before, right? I mean, I hope they're not dreaming about the birth canal or about <laughs> no. the inside of the womb. They would not make smile, smile in that case, yeah. But I, I do have to say that, it, you know, it is uh, such a, as we mentioned earlier, it's such a startling thing and such a new thing to new parents, especially for the first time. But every baby's different. Every delivery is different. 
you know, every every moment of giving birth is different. But I, um, the interesting thing about being in D.C. where I was with this new baby last week um, is that this cute daddy, our son Eli, sent Julie and I off after day six, I think, to have pedicures. He just decided we needed to be out, and he said he would take care of the baby, which was a real challenge because they were not using a pacifier at that point, which was my lifeline when the babies were tiny. But anyway, he said he would take care of her, and so we went off to not too far away to a pedicure place. But he said, okay, one thing you have to do uh, while you're gone is you have to give some advice to Julie about parenting and about taking care of this little child. So uh, he said, at least mention three things. So we went off. I hadn't even told you. You went up. You went one up. She mentioned five. Can you remember? I can't remember the other two. So uh, I'm going to tell you the three I can remember. And she actually wrote to me today and said, I can't remember the other two. I'll think of them. But for now, let's talk about three. Um, One is that there are so many frustrating times with new babies because they can't talk and they can't tell you things. And there are stages when you are so sleep-deprived that you can barely function because that baby gets the days and nights mixed up, and, and, but you don't, and so it is just so difficult. So I, my first piece of advice is just to remember that this is a stage. Just remember this is a stage, and you won't even remember this a few years from now. But right now it's so important to you. But just remember, this, is, this too will pass. This too will pass. Also, I... I had to mention that this too might pass into something harder, uh, a different stage, a harder stage. There are so many crazy things that kids get into on stages, but really they are stages and they do pass. So number one is remember this is just a stage and all things will pass when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. What's number two? Number two is remember they are who they are. They come who they are. There's really nothing you can do to change this little seedling. We've often said in parenting seminars that, you know, all seeds kind of look basically the same. And seedlings look very similar when they're tiny. But as they grow, you realize they are different people. It is our job to give them as much water and fertilizer and sunshine and sing to them and do everything we possibly can to make them the best possible people they could possibly be. But we can't make them into ourselves. So you're saying, Linda, um, they are who they are, and you don't blame yourself if you have a strong-willed child or if you have a certain personality trait you see in the child. That child brought that with him, and your job is not to change it but make the best of what you've got. And also not to pat yourself on the back when this child gets up and says, Mommy, what can I do to help you? Because that... (laughs) That sometimes and I mean, learn that in the pre-mortal life. You, you can you can teach certain things and so on, and of course, a happy, healthy home is the best thing you can give them. But at the same time, you can't change them. They are who they are, and so you can change them, but you can't change their basic nature. Nor would you want to. Yeah, exactly. And what's number three? And number three was to um, remember that your spouse is still the most important thing in your life. That's Even a though, hard one. That baby is in your face and so ever-present. It's, it's, it's just easy to forget that, you know, because you're so wrapped up in all the baby's needs that your husband's still there and he, he still needs your support. And, of course, you need his support as well. It's a two-way deal. But um, I, 
I just think it's so important to remember that. And, you know, sometimes, obviously, the baby does have to take precedence when you're, you are sleep-deprived and you, you need sleep, and, and he does too. But, you know, it, it is so important to remember that he's still there. You need to remember that those kids will grow up looking at your relationship with your spouse, and that is a really good time to start modeling a good relationship with your spouse. Now, we understand there are a lot of single moms, and we have high regard for them, but that last one, Certainly is important if you're lucky enough to be a two-parent family. And well, I hope you're a two-parent family at the moment. The baby, well, is not, not always, not always true, not always. but in most cases. And and you dads, I mean, all I would say to you, and and I say this partly out of regret that I didn't do a better job on this myself, and partly out of satisfaction when I did do this well, and it's simply the fact. It's not only the mom that needs to bond with this new baby. It's the dad, too. And this whole bonding thing is not someone's imagination. This is a very big deal. And when when that baby's tiny, there's nothing as, as wonderful as a dad holding that baby as much as possible, too, and getting at least... I'm not going to say a dad can ever quite match the mom, especially a nursing mom or a mom who's with that baby so much of the time. It's not a competition. You're not trying to be even Stephen with the, with the mom, but, but bonding with that baby, being there as much as you can, it's so important. And why shouldn't you take a turn getting up with that baby when, when she cries or he cries and you know, maybe if there's a bottle, you can, maybe the wife can sleep a little. And I think parents, especially first-time parents, need to to learn that, uh, you know, they need to look for a little flexibility. They need to not expect everything to be like clockwork. They need to just enjoy it as it goes by and realize that this this time will never come again. And hard as it is and exhausting as it is, there is a joy to it, and I think all of us who are parents have felt that. I'm going back to the dads for just a minute. Um, Eli just, he felt such an instant bond to this little girl. It was so fun. And they got on Skype with some friends, dear friends of theirs who had moved away, and um, they had spent a lot of time with their first children, this other couple, um, talking and commiserating and so on. But um, I remember Eli saying, oh, man, there's nothing like that bond that happens when you see that baby and just cuddle that baby for the first time. And this dad, there was this long silence. And then Eli went, oh, yeah, uh, you had a little bit of a hard time with that, right? And he had had a really hard time bonding with this baby. Well, it's um, much more natural for some than others. Yeah, and and I think some of it was the wife was very protective, and, and I'm not sure she totally trusted him. And so she was, you know, totally nurturing that child and trying to protect the child from the dad in, in, in some ways. I mean, I'm not judging, but there are there were some reasons that made it very hard for him to um, bond with that baby. So I do think that it is so important to have that dad involved from day one if you can possibly do it. Yes, um, and along with that, I just want to reiterate this whole thing of enjoying the moments as they pass because... We see so many parents who, unfortunately, we we call it the won't-it-be-nice-when syndrome, and they're like, oh, my gosh, won't it be nice when this baby, you know, can sit up, and, and you know, won't it be nice when this baby can walk, and I don't have to carry him everywhere, and, 
And then, the funny thing is, the baby gets so they can sit up and they're in a lot of trouble. Oh, wasn't it nice when this baby would just lay down in one place? And yeah, and then now it gets the baby worse. walking. Oh, wasn't it nice when this baby couldn't walk all over? Yeah, be... Or crawling or getting into all the cupboards and all that, you know. So what you got to remember is each stage has some good and some bad, but it'll only come once. And and you have a choice as a young new parent. You can either enjoy every stage and be amused by even the little crises that come along, or you can just constantly say, oh, I wish it was earlier, I wish it was later, and, and you never get that wonderful joy of the present. So if there was ever a time to really be in the present, I think it's when you have a brand new baby. Absolutely. And it just, I mean, you're living hour by hour, and um, even though the mom is just every two or three hours on duty, um, and and often, I mean, sometimes things happen and, and you can't, they can't nurse the baby. And so the bottle-fed babies, it's a huge advantage for the dads. A, because they have a chance to bond with them. B, because they can get up in the night with the babies. So no, whatever choice you've chosen, it really is just so important to enjoy that moment and, and realize how much fun you're having. Sometimes, you know, when the baby's just screaming, you can't figure out what in the world is wrong. You just have to keep reminding yourself how much fun you're having. And let me just tell you this. If you're a new parent or if you're expecting your first child, let me just tell you something, frankly, straight from the shoulder. That little baby will teach you more than you will ever teach him or her. (laughs) It is just amazing. You'll learn a kind of patience you've never known before. You'll learn a kind of love you've never known before. That's another cute thing about Eli, our new dad, saying, you know, I don't understand it. How can just one little person so helpless and so uh, just laying there doing nothing, how can that person make me feel the deepest love and commitment that I've ever had? How can I feel like I'd give my life for someone I just met yesterday? And it's a beautiful thing. Well, we hope that you are enjoying your new babies. We know that everybody's at a different parenting uh, stage. Because uh, not only did children go through stages, but parenting goes goes through stages. And whether you just had a brand new baby or whether you are an empty nest parent, you're doing the most important thing you could possibly do. We love you all as fellow parents, and we'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road.